0: Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. So we've got this sermon series going that we're going to continue today. We've been in it for two weeks, The Kings of Men. I mentioned last week that I wanted to do, last week I wanted to talk about King Jehoshaphat a little bit, and the Holy Spirit put the kibosh on that, and we did something else uh, that, oddly enough, is going to tie in to what we're talking about today. So I love it when the Lord does that, because that's the best way to go, is just to let him drive. Am I right? Amen. So what might we learn from the kings of men? As we studied last week's, we discerned that what we see today in our world, in our nation even, is no different than what the world has borne witness to for almost 6,000 years, this power struggle, right, that we're witnessing. So if nothing's new, I ask the question, have we truly learned nothing, right? Have we truly come no further? Oh, I think we've learned a lot, actually, Are we still learning? Yes. Yes, we are still learning, but we have learned a lot. So shall we learn some more? Are you in? I plan today, worship the Holy Spirit, the Lord just took over worship and threw me off my my time here. I'm going to have to hurry. I'm I'm planning to give you guys a good old-fashioned Bible study. Uh, um, Diana just mentioned a minute ago that sometimes on Wednesday nights, I'll take the liberty since I don't have you know, the time restrictions and go a little bit deeper, go a little bit longer, go a little bit deeper in the Bible study format. And I want to do that this morning, but now I've run out of the time, so I better hurry, all right? So we're going to be in Second Chronicles today. So you Bible toters, you, you Bible carrying folks, Bible app folks that love to follow along, we're going to be in Second Chronicles. And I'm going to, my plan was to be aggressive with this and, and look through some different chapters, but we'll start in chapter 17, look a little bit in chapter 18, and maybe 19 and 20 if we get lucky with time. Well, we'll see how it goes. Also, 2 Timothy, I was going to look a little bit there if you want to put your thumb in it. But we're going to start in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 1 through 8. So let's begin. Then Jehoshaphat, I already mentioned his name, haven't I? Jehoshaphat, his son, well, who is his his son, who is he talking? Who's Jehoshaphat's father? We'll see. You'll see in a second. Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. Wait a minute now, an Old Testament king strengthening himself against Israel, that might sound a little bit confusing if you don't know a bit of history. Throughout the history of the biblical text, there was a southern kingdom of Judah and a northern kingdom of Israel. After King Solomon died, his sons tore the nation apart. One took the northern kingdom, called it Israel. One took the southern kingdom, called it Judah. So you had the kingdom of Jeroboam and Rehoboam had Israel and Judah Beneath, well, Jehoshaphat was now the king of Judah, and Israel was often against them. So he strengthened himself against Israel. Verse 2, and he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim which Asa his father there that's who his dad is Asa his father you remember king Asa from last week we mentioned yes I'm seeing some heads nod king Asa his father had taken verse 3 now the lord was with Jehoshaphat why this is important guys pay attention because he walked in the former ways of his father David what did we talk about last week what decides, what is the key factor? There's, we judge our kings, our presidents by many different uh, 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 factors, don't we? Are they good on the economy? Are they good on foreign affairs? What are they good at, right? Do we like their tone, right? God has one, one key that he judges whether a king is a good king or a bad king. Does he fear the Lord, Right? That's it. That's it. Everything else goes from there. And he feared the Lord, and he walked in the ways of his father. He did not seek the Baals. The Baals. What were the Baals? They were the phony, fake, pagan gods that had made their way from Babylon into Israel. All right. So we see this throughout the region, throughout the Mesopotamian region. From Babylon, if you study the history biblically, you've got Genesis chapter 6 with all of these different, creating this pantheon of of false gods that were in Babylon, and then you see them in Greece, you see Hercules, you see all of these false gods pagan gods. Well, they just have different names in different cultures, right? Different names in Egypt, different names in Greece, but they all came from Babylon. In Israel, they were called the Baals, right? Baal was the uh, false pagan god. So then they would carve statues to them, and and they'd worship this false statue, uh, this idol, right? So Jehoshaphat didn't do any of that. He didn't do any of that Verse 4, what did he do? But he sought the God of his father and walked in his commands and not according to the acts of Israel, because what were the acts of Israel? They were all chasing these pagan false gods, all right? Therefore, verse 5, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor and abundance. Verse six. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. That should tell you all you need to know about Jehoshaphat in this time in his life. Does your heart take delight? You're delighted in the presence of the Lord, right? We can be honest and say, there are different periods in my life where I wasn't necessarily delighted in the presence of the Lord, so I didn't look for it because I was lost, I was wandering, right? His heart was delighted in the the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. Again, we talked about this last week, didn't, didn't we? What is the first initiative that all good kings of men endeavor to do? Kings that are good according to God. What's the first thing that they always endeavor to do? First initiative. They drain the swamp. Right? Amen? They drain the swamp. That's the truth, though. The first thing they do is get rid of the pagan idolatry, the false god worship, the, the, the child sacrifice, for real. All right? All right? Let's keep reading. Verse 7, Also in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders, ben hale Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel. Think of this. He's sending out his guys, right? He's sending out his guys. So Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, Micaiah. That's like, that's like if, our, if, in now, if it were nowadays, it would be like, we're going to send out Leith. We're going to send out Ron. Ron, you go over here, right? Chuck, Eric, you guys. Okay, we're sending everybody out into the community. Okay, to do what? To teach in the cities of Judah. Well, we need to be sent out to teach in the cities around Nashville, don't we? Amen. Amen. And with them he sent Levites: Shemaiah, Nathaniel, Zebadiah, Asahel, Shemaiah, Ramoth. They're just trying to be hard on me here. Jehonatheth, <laughs> Adonijah, Tobajah. Tadabajah the Levites, let's get where we're out of it now, right? The Levites, in other words, and with them Elishama and Jehoram, the priests, okay? You get the picture, right? Please tell me, that was worth it. <laughs> what for? Again, to teach in the cities. So Jehoshaphat started out great. Man, he drained the swamp, buddy. He got rid of the scum, all right? And then he sent people out to carry light and love into the community, the word of God into the community. That is awesome. He started out well. He followed God. He was a seeker of God. He was doing things God's way. In the third year of his reign, this is a good start. Just in the third year of his reign, he sent out 16 leaders, five leaders, nine Levites, two priests to teach throughout all of Judah. Verse 9, they taught throughout Judah taking with them the book, the Torah, the word of God, the actual word they took with them, the law of the Lord. And they went around to all the towns of Judah and taught the people. I love this because I can just think of uh, all you guys, right? I think of us as the body of Christ going out, carrying this word of God that he has put in our hands and in our hearts and we carry it into our places of work. We carry it into our homes, don't we? We carry it into every relationship that we have. I can think of the people of Life Story Church just walking the streets in the back roads of Nashville or Bellevue or Pegram, right? What was the result of this? Well, verse 10, because they did this, this initiative that he had, because they did this and the fear of the Lord, remember what fear of the Lord is. It doesn't mean you're afraid of God in that sense. It means you revere God, Right? I mean, imagine for a second God just were to rip the sky open and say hi and wave at you, right? Because he could do that, you know. That's the kind of God that we have. You'd probably be freaked out a little bit, right? Like, "Ah, hi. But you revere his power. So it's a fear, but not fear like one has as a child of something scary, right? Reverence. The fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Also, verse 11, Also some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents. Who? You guys remember who the Philistines are, right? Their mortal enemy brought Jehoshaphat presents, and silver as tribute, and the Arabians, again, natural enemies, brought him flocks, 7,700 rams, so 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats, so a total of, between rams and goats, 15,400. That's quite a gift, huh? The Philistines, think about that, his enemies' church, the Philistines and the Arabians even brought him tribute all around the land. This shows that even our enemies... Even our enemies will recognize when God is at work in our lives. If we will follow and honor his word. Do you get that? Even our enemies will recognize that God is at work in your life if you're seeking after him, if you're following after him, church. The chapter goes on to conclude by declaring how powerful and rich... The Lord had made, made him <clears throat> in property and in the size of his army. I don't think we need to read through that. The point is that this is a good guy. This is a good guy. The kind of person we try to be or rather would like to be, right? But if only the story stopped here. If only the story stopped here with King Jehoshaphat. Literally, within a, short, a few short sentences, uh, At the top of chapter 18, Jehoshaphat allies himself with the wicked king Ahab by marriage. And I'll be honest, last week when when I was saying, you know, how many wicked kings in the Bible can you think of off the top of your head? And maybe one or two. Most of you probably went straight to Ahab, right? We have a better time remembering the good kings than we do remembering the bad kings. But if we remember one bad king, it's usually this guy, okay? Okay. And Jehoshaphat allies himself to King Ahab by marriage. The most wicked husband of the most wicked woman, Jezebel. Bad move, right? Thank you, dear. I knew. I knew somebody would catch on to that. Good looking out, Diana. Thank you. So, how could this happen? Ask yourself how could this happen? I mean, I just gave you a pretty strong resume of this guy, didn't I? How does he make a decision like that? I bet you've never asked yourself that question, huh? What was I thinking? Hmm? How could I do that? How did I end up here? What did I do? How could this happen? In any case... Southern kingdom meets northern kingdom, and his son is married to Ahab's daughter. But this is where it gets good for all you drama queens. All right, you want to love some drama, all right? This is where it gets good. Second Chronicles chapter 18, verse 2 through 8. Let's read 18:2 through 8. I'm going to give you a minute to find it. Are we looking? I hear some Bible pages. Amber always tells me I move too fast. Slow down. People can't find the Bible, the passage before you read it. I just say it's the coffee. It's not my fault. It's the coffee. 2 <laughs> Chronicles chapter 18, 2-8. Eight. After some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the, who were it, and the people who were with him. And he persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me? against Ramoth gilead and jehoshaphat replied i am as you are and my people your people we will join you in the war but jehoshaphat verse four also said to the king of israel first seek counsel of the lord all right there's hope here right we should at least seek counsel of the lord because that's the sort of thing that you know we should do right so the king of Israel brought together prophets, 400 men, and asked them, asked them, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I not? Now, this is interesting, because he brings 400 false prophets. What's interesting to me about this is that this comes after Elijah. You remember the whole scene on Mount Carmel, and, and uh, Jezebel is so angry at, at, at Elijah? Because what did Elijah do? He killed, had killed 850 of their false prophets. All the false prophets, right? That were wailing and cutting themselves and their false gods wouldn't do anything up there. You remember that? (laughs) Well, after that, apparently they're still trying to build back their forces of false prophets, right? Even after their false prophets were proved to be false and wiped out, they're just back on the horse trying to build them back up. And isn't that how people do? So, go, they answered, for God will give it into the king's hands. And what did Jehoshaphat say? He said, he said this, but Jehoshaphat asked in verse 6, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can acquire of? So he could obviously tell the difference. Jehoshaphat could obviously tell the difference between a false teacher, preacher, prophet. He could tell the difference, and so can you, can't you? You can So the Holy Spirit was still with him. The seed of the truth of the word of God, that book that he had all of his friends carry out into the surrounding communities, that seed of that truth in that book was still in his heart. And he said, this is not a prophet of the Lord. Don't you have a prophet of the Lord here? Verse 7, the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. (laughs) We don't identify with this guy at all, do we, right? He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. So I think a learning point for us here is that a lot of the time we only hear what we want to hear. Do you get that? I say it especially nowadays. We only hear what we want to hear. And as a matter of fact, we'll set ourselves up to hear what we only want to hear. We will block out what we don't want to hear. And if we, some, somebody in our circle comes to us with something that we don't want to hear, it's amazing how quickly they're not in our circle anymore or a TV channel, or whatever it is, if there's a little bit too much truth, right? It makes me think of the American church today as well, as a matter of fact, you know? Tickling the ears of those who attend pastor after pastor throughout this country. Don't offend anybody, don't challenge anybody too much. Attendance could go down, tithes could go down, right? As a result, unfortunately, Churches in our country today are full of people that say they believe, but they couldn't tell you what they believe, or why they believe, for that matter. And they certainly don't live it. And here's the scary thing, though. They think they do. Ahab even had prophets on hand. He had an appearance of godliness. He wanted to look like a man of God, so he surrounded himself with all these prophets, right? Yet appearance of godliness, yet he denied its power. How many people do you know that have prophets on hand? They've got prophets on hand to ease their burdens or tell them what to think or help them justify behaviors in their life or justify sin in their life. How many, I'll ask it more directly, how many Christians do you know? that have prophets on hand to tell them things to make them feel better about living wrong. How many people do you know that have false prophets set up for themselves? False prophets. Is it Don Lemon? Is he one of your false prophets? How about Brett Baer? Is he a false prophet for some? Or is it just a yes person in your life? Yes, 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 don't feel bad, don't feel bad. Yes, yes, yes. Ahab certainly had built himself up, some yes people. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, Paul writes a letter, letter to Timothy who was overseeing the church in Ephesus. And he said this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, Verse three, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. Verse four, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse five, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. Second Timothy chapter four, verse three reads, same author, same recipient, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. I think this is relevant. I think, what, I think Ahab is relevant for us today. Ahab had a form of godliness. How is this relevant? How is... How is this a relevant verse for the world that we live in today? Or, or what? Is it, or is it relevant or what? Jehoshaphat should have never had anything to do with Ahab. He should have never had anything to do with him. And God was giving him warning after warning. They're false prophets. Isn't there a real prophet? Okay, well, I'll bring him, but he never says anything I like. Let's keep reading. Verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 14 through 17, 14 through 17. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And he said, go and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. So the king said to him in verse 15, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So you can only imagine Micaiah. I can imagine the tone of voice that he had when he went in there and said, Shall I go to war? And Micaiah's there, and like... I go, sure, yeah. The enemy will be delivered into your hand. Go for it. Micaiah, seriously, how many times do I have to tell you? Because Micaiah knows he doesn't want to hear it. Micaiah knows I'm just here. He's not going to listen to me anyway. he does Why? Because he doesn't want to hear it, because we only hear what we want to hear sometimes. Verse 17. Or excuse me, uh, uh, verse 16. Then he said, I saw, Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. Verse 17, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he, he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? This guy never says anything. Did not I not tell you this? Like I said, warning after warning after warning. Now even the one true prophet that he called for is telling him, no, this is a bad idea, this is a bad idea. If only the Holy Spirit did that for us, huh? You know what? I think he does do that for us. I think he does do that for us if we're willing to seek him. If we're we're willing not to just only seek out what we want to be, what we want to be so badly that we ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, full stop, how often do we do that? That'll preach, I think. So, guess what happened? Does anybody want to know what happened next? Ahab was killed. I'll just tell you, Ahab was killed just as Micaiah uh, ended up prophesying. He ended up saying, "You're going to be, you'll be killed as well, Ahab." He still went to war. Ahab was killed, but not before. And get this, not before Ahab had Jehoshaphat wearing Ahab's royal robe on the battlefield. Ahab actually recommended that Jehoshaphat wear his royal coat out on the battlefield. That's crazy. Of course, Ahab had him wear it as a decoy so he could be decoy, and everybody would think that Jehoshaphat was Ahab and get him, right? Unbelievable. Still, still, Jehoshaphat wasn't wise enough to call off the battle. He put the coat on even. He ignored the prophet, Micaiah. He put the coat on, and he went out onto the battlefield. (sighs) All right now. Let's let's bring it down let's bring it down to one thousand feet, ten feet, six feet. That's six feet, right? <laughs> Has anybody in here ever been led into a bad situation by somebody else? You don't you don't Is it everybody or no? You've been led into a bad situation by somebody that you thought was a friend. That'd be me. I've done that. Don't be ashamed. Most of us have. Most of us have. What matters, hear me on this, what matters when you find yourself in that place, what matters is what you do when you realize that you've been compromised. Right? Jehoshaphat should have realized he'd been compromised, but he just kept moving forward. One bad decision after another. Yet, Yet, even though Jehoshaphat made such a bad decision, hear me now, God did not leave him. God did not leave him, and he's not going to leave you either. Let's read 2 Chronicles 18, verse 31. Jehoshaphat is out on the field. He's wearing Ahab's coat, all right? So everybody's coming for him, thinking that he's Ahab. The enemy is coming after him now. When the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, this is the king of Israel. So they turned to attack him. But Jehoshaphat, what did he do? Finally, the best decision he could make. Finally, he says, he cried out and the Lord helped him. Finally, he cried out to the Lord. And the moment he did, the Lord answered him and God drew them away from him. Do you see that? Is that on the screen? God does not leave you when you mess up. I want you to take this nugget home with you today, okay? Get this. God does not leave you when you mess up. Do you believe that? I'm not convinced. Do you believe that? Amen. You only need to call out on the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Demons shudder and scatter at the name of Jesus' church. And don't you know they're prowling? Don't you know they're looking for you? Don't you know the word of God tells us that Satan prowls the earth like a, like a lion looking to see whom he can devour? You know who he, who he can't devour? Those with the promised Holy Spirit sealing their heart, those who call out on the name of Jesus, he cannot devour, church. Amen? God sees you, he hears you, he loves you, and he wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust him. If you believe that, when you call out, he will draw your enemies away. He'll draw them away. Speak it out, cry out, church. Come on. He'll draw them away just to show you that he loves you. So, it's a pretty epic story, right? Kind of makes me feel like when I watch a great movie, you know, and then I'm excited for the sequel to come out. You ever seen those movies and then the sequel comes out and it's really cool because it literally picks up right where the last one left off? Maybe even with a scene that's similar, right? I always loved it how the Lord of the Rings movies would do that, right? So, let's see if we have time. Uh, I don't know about this. Let me share this part with you briefly, all right? What did Jehoshaphat do when he got home? And then I'll leave you, and then maybe we'll really do part two next week, okay? I'll give you the teaser trailer, okay? So what did Jehoshaphat do when he got home? Second Chronicles chapter 19, verse 1 through 4. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, you guys know who Jehu is in the Bible? The Old Testament's worst driver, right? <laughs> right? Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Ooh. <coughs> Therefore the wrath of the of the Lord is upon you. Quite a greeting to receive, huh? Quite a greeting to receive. Pretty harsh. Perfectly harsh, because it's deserving. In other words, Jehu speaks to him as soon as he gets home. How could you? How could you? But there's more to this story. Jehu, the son of Hanani right? Do you guys know who Hananiah is? It's all right, I didn't either. Well, in the 36th year of Asa, Jehoshaphat's father, Asa struck a deal in Syria in order to thwart an imminent attack from the reparate northern kingdom of Israel. Upon returning home, Asa was greeted by Hananiah. This is pretty cool. This is a generational thing here. So Asa goes off to war, gets home, and he's greeted by Hanani and Jehu's father. So let's read. Let's read. So Hanani is the prophet. Jehu is the prophet. Jehoshaphat, Asa, you get the characters. You get the generation. Let's read. And at that time... Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Where Were the Ethiopians and the Libam not a huge army with every many chariots and horsemen? Yet, yet, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Let this be a lesson to us, church, that we may be found by his eyes. As his eyes scour the earth, scour the earth throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal. Let the Lord show himself strong through you. Amen. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on you shall have wars. Verse 10. Then Asa was angry with the seer Hanani and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. Why? It's not what he wanted to hear. And Asa then went on to oppress some of the people at that time so let's fast forward to jehu and jehoshaphat right jehu knew the fate that might befall someone who was bold enough to speak truth yet speak he did i mean come on church this was the son of the man that jehu's dad put away Do you see these figures king asa put jehu's father in prison Yet he still goes to Jehoshaphat. Still goes to Jehoshaphat boldly, church. He spoke, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Should you love the wicked and hate those who love the Lord? Talk about a legacy, huh? My goodness. So Jehoshaphat is faced with this decision and ultimately is the same decision that his father had to make. You know how Asa responded to Hanani. How would Jehoshaphat respond to Jehu? Let's take a look. Verse 3, 19, verse 3. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, Jehu went on to say, and that you have removed wooden images from the land. You've prepared your heart to seek God. Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, and he went out again, did he throw Jehu in prison? No, he did this. He went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and turned them back to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. He got back on the horse again is what he did. Amen? And that's what we need to do when we mess up. You got that? Get back on the horse. Do your first works again, Revelation 2.5 says. Go back to what works. But that phrase, back to the Lord, in this text, that phrase, back to the Lord, tells us all that we need to know. I asked you a question earlier, so I don't want to close without answering it. How had such poor judgment entered the mind of the king? I mean, this is the king that drained the swamp. How did he find himself making these horrid decisions? How could this happen? I'll tell you how it happened. Daylight between him and the Lord. Daylight between him and the Lord. How do we know? Because he turned back. He went out again and had to turn the nation back. So apparently, he had stopped going out. And the nation had thusly followed his lead, as is always the case. Daylight had come between him and the Lord until he cried out that day. And as soon as he got home, he started going back out again. He had apparently stopped going out among the people. It's the same way today, church. It's the same way today. Don't we hate it when our politicians who are supposed to represent us lose touch, right? He'd apparently lost touch. He stopped going out among the people. He stopped being the Lord's champion for his people. Maybe he was saying the right things, but don't we hate it when our our politicians lose touch with us and then they come back around every four years or two years or whatever it is and they just pander and they say what they think we want to hear and then we see them on TV and we're like, oh, give me a break. They show up and southern districts, and suddenly they've got some corny southern accent, right? I ain't in no ways tired and all this mess, right? He had lost touch. Thus, because he had lost touch and because there was daylight between him and the Lord, he had easily been persuaded. That's what the text says Ahab did to Jehoshaphat, was persuaded, and he had been persuaded, not only that, but sheep and oxen for him and his friends. He'd been bribed. Favors were done for him. Bribes, favors, I like this. Like That's a good gift. Now well, You're taking care of me. You're taking care of my guys. Maybe I'll take care of you. Huh? That's the thinking that can enter our mind. He had lost touch with the people. He'd lost touch. Thus, he had easily been persuaded. That's not familiar at all to us at all. That was it. Oh church, I'm so out of time. I don't want to be out of time. So let me try to figure out how to wrap this up for us, shall we? Second Chronicles chapter twenty verse one and three. Nobody has to be anywhere, do they? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Mennonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat, alarmed. He was alarmed. Jehoshaphat required, re- inquired of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Remember, he's back on the, back on the horse. Jump ahead to verse 14 and 15. I'm going to hurry this. Then the spirit, the spirit of the Lord came on Jehazel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benani, the son of Jael, the same of Mataniah a Levite and descendant of Asaph. See, this is all, I'm cruising over this, but there's probably so many good nuggets just in who these people were. As he stood in the assembly, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to do. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army before you for the battle is is not yours, but God's. Take this home with you. You are not alone in these battles that you face, okay? You are not, remember, what did he do in that battle? He cried out to God, right? He learned his lesson. He's learned to trust God. And so another enemy comes because they always come, they'll never stop coming. You're always coming out of the fire or going right back into it, church. That's the truth. But you're not alone in these battles you're not alone in this persecution if you stand for truth on the right side the side of truth god's side when you are his your battles become his as he heard the prayers of his people he hears the prayers of his people now 2nd chronicles verse 17 you will not have to fight this battle take your position Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Again, again, he's addressing fear because for a second time he's saying, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Fear and discouragement are mentioned here. Go out to face them tomorrow. Take up your position, go out to face them, and the Lord will be with you. So God says, get this, in closing, God says, go out to meet them. Why? Did God need them to go out to meet them? Did God need them to do that? No. Now, church, remember, twice God has said, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. God told them to march out because they needed to for their own sake. God wanted to show them firsthand, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. And so I say to you today, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Take up your positions. It's a crazy world right now, isn't it? But don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Take up your position. Take up your position and stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. Amen? All right, so, mm-mm-mm. let me share this, Second, uh, chapter 20, verse 20 through 22, what did he do? He did just that, early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa, as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah, and people of Jerusalem, Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Do you see the correlation, church, between the lesson his father failed to learn and the lesson that God is asking Jehoshaphat to learn now? Do you see the correlation in all of this to us today? Verse 21, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to do what? To sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out, At the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord. I want you to get this visualization. They're sending the army out now. So what do they do? They put the worship team out front. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Not the infantry. The worship team. God is good. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Verse 21, and get this, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. What happened? The Lord turned the men away again, didn't he? And he set Amber Church, we need to praise him for the victory before we even see it physically Praise him for the victory in the life of the loved one that you're praying for. Do you understand me? Pray with an expectation to see miracles happen. The Lord is working on your behalf. If it's not visible right now, then it's behind the scenes. As you pray, praise him for victory. As you fast, praise him for victory. As you march out, praise him, church. He still had Jehoshaphat march out, remember that. Proving his faith to the last moment. Don't be afraid, or discouraged because of this vast army. And keep in mind, it looked bad. The situation looked bad is the point. Most times he requires us to march out, church. God isn't going to fight your battles when you're hiding out in the woodshed, okay? He wants you to be a part of it. Sometimes we have to face things down. Sometimes you have to look the devil in the eye. Sometimes we just have to march out, though, and stand. So in closing, Leith, can I have you come up here? And we'll pray and we'll close. I know it's late, guys, but that could have been way worse, all right? (laughs) We normally try, for you first-time visitors, we normally try to wrap up by one. So I'm going to have to, like, bring Starbucks or something for the Sunday school teachers or some kind. (laughs) might have to just take them out to dinner. I don't know. What can we learn from Jehoshaphat, this king of men? I'll give you a few. Put God first. Study God's word and teach it. Remember, he sent people out with what? With the book. Be careful of your decisions. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers be it in marriage and business and property and alliances. Remember, God is merciful. Oh, remember that, church. He is merciful and he hears our cries for help. He hears your voice. Listen to God's warnings and convictions. Are you listening or are you only listening to hear what you want to hear? Will you only hear what you want to hear, huh? Watch out when life is going smooth because that's when daylight between you and the Lord can creep in. We're always closest to the Lord when we're begging him for help, huh? Listen. Listen for his voice. We can be distracted by being comfortable. We can be distracted by money, by wrong alliances, by being caught off guard. And you know what else? Fast, pray, praise. And then you know what else? Just trust God with what may come. Trust him with the results. If we take a stand for God, stand for our nation in the name of God, then our lives will be a witness for him. Amen. Amen. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here this morning, and the Lord is moving on your heart and this is speaking to something that you're dealing with in your life. I don't know what it could be. It could be a thousand things in a thousand different ways. If you're here this morning, you just, you just wanna lay your heart down before the Lord. If you wanna march out this morning, if you wanna take your ground and you wanna stand firm, make that declaration this morning in whatever way. Raise your hand right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the boldness that you've inspired in our hearts, Father. We thank you for your word that it's faithful and true, God, that it will never be exhausted, God, the love and truth that it will teach us, Father. Pray you continue to grow us, Father, as your people this morning make a decision to to march out, to ride out, against their enemies, Father, that you would be with them, that you'd go before them, Father, as they praise for victory before they even see it, God, as we sing your praises in the face of our enemy, God, and those that would destroy us or harm us or hurt us, God, over these situations, Father. We pray, Father, we say, we'll not be discouraged, Lord. We'll not fear. Because we love you, we trust you, Lord Jesus, with all our hearts. Now have your way in our lives. If you're here this morning and you want to say a prayer of recommittal for your life, or maybe you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord and you've never put your trust and faith in him for your salvation, we're going to say this prayer out loud to all of us. So if that's you, you say it right with us. But I want you to do me a favor. If you're doing this for the first time or recommitting your life in your heart, I want you to tell me when you come up and tell me or send me a message if you're watching online because we want to be praying for you because the enemy is going to be coming for you all the more if you make a decision like that. Let's pray out loud, church. Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. Come into my heart and make me new. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day. And because you live. I live. I believe that you want me to have a life abundant. I believe that you're for me. So go before me. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he show you his favor. May you go in grace and prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Love you guys. Thank you so much.